This podcast is being recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, the Bindal people of Thalgari Waja, and the Wulguru Kaaba people of Karambilbara, the traditional custodians on the land we stand today. We pay our respects to elders past and present. We recognise the ongoing intergenerational trauma caused by colonisation and genocide, and that many of those policies remain in place today. We acknowledge the ongoing struggles of First Nations people in dismantling those structures and the struggle to seek justice. Sovereignty has never been ceded. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. In the heat of Welcome to another episode of Loud, Angry and Not Sorry, uh, where we talk about news and current affairs from a feminist perspective. My name is Steph. I am Leah. And in this episode, we are discussing the seemingly inexplicable way that women work against the best interests of women to gain a sense of safety and security for themselves within this patriarchal system. And we say a sense because, as we discuss, women will truly never be safe within a patriarchal system. So, Stephanie, what do we mean by patriarchy? Ah... I read so many different definitions of this going into it. Basically, the best one to go with at this present time is actually the dictionary from Oxford. A system of society or government in which the father or eldest male is head of the family and descendant is reckoned through the male line. There are different definitions depending on the various different feminist writers over the years and how they've described patriarchy and what they see the effects of it almost in a god of the gaps kind of way and this is obviously problematic especially given that white women have dominated in having their work published over diverse feminists yeah um mary daly once had this revelation about what is the patriarchy by comparing it to the concept of original sin and it is just as bad as it sounds (laughs) Where is it? Here it is. The word sin is derived from the Indo-European root S, meaning to be. When I discovered this etymology, I intuitively understood that for a person trapped in patriarchy, which is the religion of the entire planet, to be in the fullest sense is to sin. Look, I get where they're coming from. But also no. Yeah, very much no. Egyptian feminist and one of the few people to have sworn on the ABC and still get banned for it. Uh. Mona Etahawi once described patriarchy as being like an octopus with its many tentacles wrapped around various aspects of people's lives. Yeah, yeah, that that is probably a better analogy than original sin. It's a much better analogy, and that's why it's yeah. really important to have really diverse voices. Yeah, isn't it? Yum. It's very common that, that words within these systems have two dif- definitions, or one's a bit softer and one's a bit harder, and it's the same with misogyny. There is the common definition, which is hatred of women, which obviously it absolutely is, Uh, But many people, and some may call them misogynists or like men for short, but they often use the hard and fast definition when denying that they have been misogynistic. If you look at uh, Tony Abbott's What the Women of Australia Need to Understand as They're Doing the Ironing, like that kind of thing, a lot of people were saying that that wasn't misogynistic because he wasn't expressing a hatred of women. But what he's doing is both reinforcing gender roles and undermining the housewives of Australia, like women, He's undermining their capacity to understand policy, and in this case it was the emissions trading scheme. In a feminist sense, misogyny expressed in a multitude of ways. It's not just as simple as hating women. It's about the respect and value that culture and society places on typical feminine things such as clothes or work or attitudes, hobbies, habits, institutions, domestic and reproductive labour. And misogyny, I think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but like like a lot of transphobia is misogynistic. Transmisogyny is literally misogyny. 
but yeah. from a trans perspective, because essentially yeah. transitioning from male to female is considered the absolute worst thing yeah. that somebody can do. And I, I feel like TERFs, they have such a hard time with trans women, but trans men, they're like, oh yeah, we get that. That's I understand why you would do that. Because their, their behaviour and their mentality is ultimately misogynistic. Well, they infantilise trans men, saying that they're yeah. lost, lost women. They need to be rescued. Confused butch lesbians. Yeah. I'm just like, mm, no. But I think, like, underneath all of that is that they understand why a woman would want to be a man, but they don't understand why a, a man would want to be a woman. And obviously, that's incredibly fucked up, because if you're a woman, you're a woman. It's just nonsense but it's this whole patriarchal thinking i can't remember who said it you'll find multiple examples if you search twitter and the interwebs and everything um but basically transphobia seems to extend from the fact that transphobes hate being women and they think that everyone else should hate hate it too Mm, you know in much the same way that with political lesbians of going it's not about women loving women it's about women hating men Hmm. look i can understand the latter I really can. <laughs> you can do both. Been but there. The, but the important thing is that political lesbians aren't lesbians because lesbianism is about loving women. Yeah, being attracted to women. Yep. Yeah. It's yeah. not about who you hate. It's about who you love. You're such an inspiration. <laughs> Putting that on a T-shirt. Anyway, um, I, I suppose we should have probably said, like, maybe up near the top, it's International Women's Day soon. It is... It is. And also, there's like two different slogans floating around at the moment. Oh, really? Yeah. Have a, have a guess at what, what this year's... Look, I, I, I stopped looking. <laughs> I really have stopped looking. I saw the one uh, for Trades Hall that was like, hang on, something about matches. Oh, the patriarchy has met its match. I'm like, can you think of a less substantial light source or like source of energy than a match like how quickly does a match burn out like it's just the most yep. ridiculous thing is that one of the ones that you've seen or are the other ones that you've seen from like the un and stuff uh there's there's one floating around which just seems to be a corporate thing which is like called break the bias which isn't the <gasps> which isn't the official one which is about the consequences of climate change on women's equality and the impact that climate change will have specifically on women and gender diverse people yeah but we can't address we can't address that second one because you know climate change and corporate funding and all that. Oh, of course not. No, no, no. We couldn't. We we can't talk about that. We might upset. We might upset the know, cupcakes. Yeah, might upset Twiggy Forest. You can't empower women at the at the expense of men, can we? Or corporations. You know, you can't hold abusive men accountable and maybe get them to stand down from the CFMEU because that might just, you know, put his position of power in jeopardy. <laughs> and that's, we couldn't possibly do that. No, it's all very well and good to chant Sepka here to stay in private, but there's absolutely no way that we will, you know, do anything to sort of support women publicly. Actually, that's wrong. They've publicly supported women, but behind closed doors supported Sepka. So I, yeah. Well, they've done both. They publicly supported women and they publicly supported Sepka. You're actually not supporting women when you are not demanding that a violent misogynist stand down. No, I just meant in terms of the public image. But yeah, it, it's, it means nothing. They've chosen when... Setka over, over women. Yeah, over women's safety. Anyway, I don't want to go on about this because it, yeah, it's Ross really disappointing. It's, it's really bad. I love the union movement and I just wish it was solidarity forever for everyone. That's all. Anyway. So, patriarchal bargain. <laughs> so, Leah, why do the Julie Bishops of the world 
bargain with the patriarchy. Why, why did they enact within a system that is obviously bad for women? Is yeah. that what you mean? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's that sweet, sweet power. It's that photo op in front of a, um, was it a uranium mine? <laughs> or, you know, like just so you get that, that cheeky swing hanging off the side of a buoy. Like, why else would you do it? I mean, it's about power. Well, really, it's the illusion of power. And I think that's one of the things that we've seen play out over this whole Christian Porter, Brittany Higgins thing, is that these women who have been acting what they believe correctly within the patriarchy, trying to get themselves some safety, have suddenly realised that people like Brittany Higgins, who are doing everything right, you know, they're pretty, they're slim, they are smart, educated, working at the Liberal Party, and they're not safe. Yeah. So I think, and I genuinely think that's why the women of Australia took to the streets because they suddenly realised they weren't actually safe and they were like working within this system and bargaining within this system for the, to maintain their safety when actually you're only going to be used to a certain point and, you know, hang on now, what am I trying to say? Like our, our the bodies... The collective understanding of the fact that everyone is experiencing the same lack of safety. Yeah. The same lack of experiences. That yeah. The same unequal outcomes. Yeah. From yeah. what my, I, my understanding of it and my experiences have been of basically going as a white person, you're expected to do all of the things. And yeah. when you do all of the things, you get the stuff. And the thing is, the stuff never actually comes. Yeah. You know, it's. Yeah, it never comes. There's a degree comes. of the same disappointment that people have with capitalism. Yeah, yeah, it's that dangling carrot. The dangling carrot, carrot and you never get there. You work hard and you die early. Yeah. With back pain. And possibly gout. (laughs) Fucking hell, all right. Okay, so I suppose before we get into the actual performing within patriarchy, patriarchal bargaining sort of thing, we have to acknowledge that we are speaking of patriarchy from a white Western perspective. It's largely based on our own experiences and a little bit of research. Um, I personally have grown up with financial safety and I am very white, although I am well-read and I'm like can be really intimidating I've done things like stood face to face with cops and been like why are you a cop do you enjoy ignoring victim survivors and and killing people does it make you feel good to carry guns and pepper spray at 11 a.m on a Tuesday do you know what I mean like I can do that because of my whiteness I can get away with that but I can I can push boundaries and all that kind of stuff but but people of color first nations people people worried about visas can't do that sort of thing pretty much anyone who interaction with the prison system can be potentially fatal yeah like i remember saying to isabel like when they turn 10 i'm just like oh you're 10 you can go to prison and they're like really i'm like no you're white you'll be fine like which was a joke but it was also like a oh that was oh yeah yeah like gross like it's gross it's true but it's fucking gross like cops are racist yeah. So, I mean, use your whiteness and, and have a yell at some cops. Do the right thing. It is very good fun. <laughs> also, film cops. Yeah. At every opportunity. I hate them so much. Yep. Ah, uh, and women who enact patriarchal bargaining are not necessarily doing it consciously, and in certain environments, patriarchal bargaining may be the only way to keep safe. Also, 
it is not the responsibility of women and women alone to dismantle oppression in any form. Women who work within structured roles of patriarchy should absolutely be criticised, but never more than or instead of men who also actively and passively prop up and benefit from patriarchal systems. This is a nuanced conversation because as well as the women who subconsciously work within patriarchy, they don't realise that they don't have equality because they can vote and work and can buy things and there are women who strategically work within patriarchy for power, then there are those who don't know any different. Then there are your turfs and swerfs who take a feminist argument and make it patriarchal. And really fucking gross. Oh, they're so gross. They're so gross. The latest one? Apparently. This is is from my favourite, in inverted commas, you can see the air quotes I'm doing there, turf biologist by the name of Dr. Hammer Helton sometimes referred to as Beatles asparagus because she once tried to make an analogy about human sex development by comparing us to asparagus. <laughs> Look, sounds like science to me. Who has basically come out this week and said that it's true. Girls, from the moment that they're born, are at a disadvantage and you're sitting there going, the fuck you on about? Like, a one-minute-old infant, if it's a girl... Is it a disadvantage to a one-minute-old infant that's a boy? Well, look, maybe if they're in India. (laughs) Look, there are probably some contexts where that is true. Oh, yeah. But that's cultural. um, That's not biological. Yeah. And what she's now suggesting is that it's a biological thing. And in the long history of TERFs who've basically tried to codify this into their religion, I guess you can call it now. So when we spoke before about the fact that TERFs are misogynists and they take feminist... Ar- like, this is not even a feminist argument. Was it Morrison who was just like, women are just not meant to be leaders? Like, this is misogyny. Like, Because Morrison... I think Morrison's was the... Of course women should have equality, but not at the expense of men. Uh, Morrissey is... Morrissey. Fuck. I mean, yes, also Morrissey. <laughs> Scott Morrison has said a lot of really misogynist things, so there's not one thing that you can just be like, oh, this is... True, actually. <laughs> No, but but it is, it's that misogynist thing of like women are designed to be homemakers and carers. They're biologically incapable of, of being leaders or, you know, being successful in science or stuff because they're just not built that way. That kind of bullshit. Even like when you start talking about uh, trans women in, in sports, it's just like, I'm like, yeah, I have played a lot of different sports. I played rugby for a while and there are some cis women who are en- enormous and um, terrifying. And um, Shout out to my cousin Doris, who is from Samoa and fucking strong. But there are also cis men that I know that I am much stronger than them. Like I could snap them like a twig. The argument boils down to the fact that a woman could never win against a trans woman. Yeah, it's just, it's it's offensive. Stealing opportunities is the oh, new God one that they've sake. come up with because nobody can find an example from the 19 years that the Olympic policy has been in place or for the 50 years since Renee Richards played at Wimbledon and did just as badly as she had <laughs> done in the men's division. Like equal badly. No. You couldn't make it up. Yeah. And everyone's going, oh, but he's just doing it to win prize money. Oh, what prize sake. money? Don't women in tennis earn, like, how much less than the men's division? Anyway, let's move oh, on yeah. from tennis. Let's <laughs> define misogyny and sexism. Because I just don't think we've done definitions enough. We haven't done enough definitions. No, and definitions. you need to establish that context. So, philosopher Kate Mann states that sexism is the social ideology or framework that upholds patriarchal values, whereas misogyny reinforces it. 
Man argues misogyny is about punishing women who challenge male authority and rewarding women who enable it. Misogyny is ingrained in culture, in systems, as well as deeply embedded in our environment and how our environments are designed. So, I guess sexism is the wood frame and misogyny is the clay. Yeah, you can't have one without the other. Like, if you don't have the ideology, then when you, like, are misogynistic, people will just be like, what are you doing? That's fucked. Or if you have the ideology without the without like sort of reinforcing it, then the ideology disappears. So you kind of need them both together to work as a system. Yeah, well, oh, very much so. I, th- I like the distinction is desperately yeah. needed and important. Much like critical race theory, which is about examining the systems, you can't have a, a discussion about racism without having that understanding of the systemic Correct. power structures behind it. Yeah, and this really like when I was reading Kate Mann's book Down Girl it really like it really struck me I'm just like first of all like this was written in 2013 and Kate states that this is the first book of its type that looks exclusively at misogyny not like other social systems or that kind of blew my mind a little bit I think it's always important to look at the underlying structures and the and reassess those Mm. at at, at any opportunity because shit changes we change and you can't know where, how far you have to go until yeah, you've seen true. how far you've come. And, like, reassessment. And also, you don't know what you're defending yeah. if you don't know where you've come from. Yeah. People seem to think that because the right to vote is a thing, ignoring the very heated debate we once had about that. Oh, yeah. I don't... I don't yeah, it was a heated debate, but I don't think it was... I don't know. Oh, it was fully intellectual. I, I, it was yeah, but I loved it. <laughs> I want to do but it again. I, mm. Yeah, I still, I don't know. I think the word, the right, like if something is forced, is it really a right is my only question. But yeah. You know, like that we have the opportunity to vote. (laughs) The opportunity to transfer property and wealth. It's still on the books in Queensland under the Property Act that Femsoul exists as a special status for cis women. Look, I don't know. We talk about racism in in the white feminist movement. Like everyone talks about having the right to vote in like, was it like 19-something, 1910 or whatever? And I'm just like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, that's just not even true because um, in certain states, Indigenous women exactly. would vote. And then after and then, they voted, they lost that right to vote. Yeah, but like everyone's talking about how we had the, the right to vote like for all of these years. I'm just like, Indigenous women are women. They do not have the right to vote. If they do not have the right to vote, then women do but not have the right to don't. vote. Yeah. And then, you know, that we had to have the referendum to get them classified as human beings. Like, come on. Come on. Yeah. And then there had to be compulsory voting in order to get everyone on the rolls, which was a big thing because before there was compulsory voting, Indigenous women in various parts of the country were discouraged from enrolling to vote. Like... Look, we actually had to force it in order to get people on the rolls in order for it to be right. And then that debate and discussion and argument will continue between us. And I love it. Yeah. You, you vote, you're voting in a system. And look, I am pro-voting and I am, but I'm also like anti this system. But you're forcing yeah. people to vote in a system where their voices will never be heard. Very true. I think that's a separate discussion. That is a separate discussion and we should not go down that route. But it's... it's no. And it's a conversation that really should not be had by two white people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, abortion rights are only secured in Queensland in 2018. <clears throat> you know, yeah. that thing that is a 
crime against humanity, a war crime and a form of torture under international law, 2018. This government doesn't care about international law. I know. Yeah. It's just, you know, like, you know, when we talk about these things, yeah. you know, as a, as, an, as a precedent after the horrors of World War II, it was described forced pregnancy is a war crime a crime against humanity, and in recent um, conferences and um, statements put out by the UN, it is a form of torture. Yeah. Forced pregnancy is two war crimes in one. Two crimes against humanity in one. Like, but we don't even talk about it in those terms. No, no. Because we, we're stuck with the, it's my body, my choice. And, which is cool, it's fair, and I, I totally get that, but we don't even debate... Mm about having serious constitutional protections, serious rights mm. around bodily autonomy, and we don't even frame them in that No, way. and we're, so, we're soft as piss when it comes to the church and what the church is allowed to discriminate against. It's... Anyway. Look, I don't know, this whole... Like, what man was saying about how misogyny is about punishing women who challenge male authority, to me that was just like... My day-to-day life, the things that I do in my work and in my activism... If I didn't work so hard at like sort of calling out abusive men and going against that grain and sort of just being like, oh, well, you know, he's a nice guy most of the time. But, you know, it's just that one time that he sent a dick pic to someone. Like, do you know how successful I would be? <laughs> do you have any idea if I learned how to just shut up and play the game? And that's why yes. people work within the system, because it, it guarantees them like safety and security in a really unsafe and insecure world for women and i get that but also look at what we're actually doing to people look at what we're doing to first nations people look at what we're doing to women of color so yeah so there's like yasmin abdul majid's tweet lest we forget and the bullying and the harassment that they got was so significant that they got chased out of the country like what they were saying was spot on how is this happening I just... Mm. And also, you had what's-her-face, Prue McSween, basically saying that she'd run her over if she saw the husband in the street and getting away with that. It's women going against women for their own personal gain. And Prue McSween is a bloody champion at this. Oh, yeah. She loves it. And she gets away with a lot of things. And <laughs> I, th- I think in her case, her bargain is, I will do patriarchy, but if you let me do racism. Which they also love. Yep. Like systems of oppression, holding hands with systems of oppression. Of course, they love it. But Prue McSween, I think she thinks she's got a, she's got a profile. She's probably got quite a bit of money. She's got a bit of safety. But that's not going to stop her from getting beaten or sexually abused or just discarded as soon as she does or says exactly the wrong thing. They will yeah. just get rid of you as soon as you are no longer useful for the patriarchy. And it's it's kind of terrifying to watch, but also, I don't know, it's like you can't look away. Like, what are you doing? It's like a train derailment. And you watch it and you can see it and it happens. Mm. So if sexism is ideology and misogyny is the punishment for not complying with said ideology, let's play a little game to test our understanding. This is mostly for me because is it ideology or is it behaviour? Let's see. All right. First one, Steph. You'd be prettier if you smiled. I'd like to thank the pandemic for for the uh, mask mandates. (laughs) Sorry. And having not had this said to me in two years, it's been that long. I have, I've I've almost forgotten. I think I've just got such a bitchy looking face that no one ever, no one ever says to me, you'd be pretty if you smiled. I think they're just literally scared. Anyway, is this misogyny 
or is this sexism? I feel like this this, I feel like this is misogyny. It's about behavior. It's both, yeah. I mean, it's the, the behavior is. Well, it's kind of yeah, both. It's the behavior that you um, that women should always present in a certain way. That's based on the ideology that women smiling and compliant. Yeah. yeah. You know, you, you present this way and this is what you mm. do. And why aren't you doing it? I, I would like to be pleased visually by you. I don't want to have to think about all the things I've ever done wrong in my life. I don't know. So what do you think about daddy issues? When someone refers to, say, a sex worker or something like that as someone who has daddy issues. That's pure sexism. Yeah. Because it is pure projection of... The failings of cis dudes on yeah. women. And yet it's women who are interrogated, scrutinised because of the behaviours of somebody mm. else, but the perceived yeah. behaviours. So, you know, if you are assertive, yeah. apparently that then comes down to daddy issues. And it's like, where the fuck did you get this idea so, from? Do you know, I am so sick of seeing like these incredible, strong, independent women portrayed in cinema only to have towards the end of it a revelation of how their strength is a result of trauma. Oh, mm. oh my God, stop it. Jesus Christ. Some of us just have the audacity of a mediocre white man. Just get over it, all right? Okay, now this one's from Lu- Louise Moran from the Women for Australia group. Yes, we're bringing online into the into the podcast. because yeah, fuck it, why not? Look, why it's, not? A, it's a good group. It's a good group of people. I, I like it. Louise suggested that why don't you have children? When are you planning to have children? If you have children, how will you keep up with the job requirements? If you never have children, what's wrong with you? I would direct your attention to Wardley v. Ansett. Okay. Look, honestly, no one knows what that is. We should. I know, but... Dear listeners, we have this discussion quite regularly where I bring up Wardley v. Ansett and Leah's like, I haven't read that one yet. And I'm like, why would you... It's a legal judgment. Yeah, well then stop bringing it up like everyone should know what you're talking about. Wardley v. Ansett is the sex discrimination case that really brought home the fact that we needed federal legislation in the form of the Sex Discrimination Act. And Reg Ansett's entire argument about why women couldn't be airline pilots was because they couldn't meet the strength test, which there wasn't one. Also, see, turf arguments, anyway. Go. Yep periods babies okay generally unsuited for it because the unions wouldn't wear it and you're sitting there and you're, you're reading through these arguments okay no this doesn't even no one's buying this reg no, no reg one. just just admit you hate women and move on just just a minute yeah. just a minute it it's cheaper than going to court over it free legal advice if you hate women just don't be in a situation where you might employ them just go the door is there <laughs> I, I, I don't know go. where, I don't really care where, just leave me alone. <laughs> All of those men going their own way, please go. <laughs> Faster. I don't care which way, yeah. just go. The reason why this one really spoke to me is like as a mum, when I had Isabel, I think Izzy was like about three three weeks old and I was just, I just looked at my husband and I was just like, I'm never doing this again, ever. <laughs> I love this one. I've got this one. This one will do me. We don't need to go through this again. <laughs> But I was told I was selfish for only wanting one child. I don't really know what to say from this point No. Only because I have a uterus, but I can't, it's not actually connected up to anything. (laughs) It's not hooked up. It's all right. I mean, you're still allowed to have opinions, but I'm just like, I see this as sexist because it's the ideology that women are uteruses first and people second. Is that sexist or is that misogynist? I think that's both. 
because I I experience it from a misogynistic point of view. Like I've literally had somebody come up to me, like first off, ask me if I'm pregnant. <clears throat> I've had somebody give up their bus seat for me. Oh before. nice! Did you take it? Yeah, good, yep. good, good. Yes, good, good. I did. <laughs> um, but also, you know, it's the kind of thing if, if people don't know I'm trans, like yeah, you're making a bunch of assumptions. Mm. And the irony is, of course, that I can actually well it cost would cost a huge amount of money that i don't have because i'm poor and an on off again uni student so even yeah. worse but of going yeah it sucks yeah. I, I i view this as in is in, inherently sexist oh yeah with misogynistic overtones <laughs> hints of misogyny i can taste it when i do the swill misogyny hangs on the palate like a really cheap shitty bottle of Savlonk. fruity elixir yeah. So Kylie Harry's suggested, like, so this is one for us to to go over. I once went to a male boss to negotiate more part-time hours. As urged by my male colleague, he thought my workload was unfair compared to himself and a female colleague. Ugh, I hate the word female. The boss said, you're not hard up for money, alluding to my husband's job, which was managerial level. Sexist pig, I thought. But honestly, in hindsight, I think it's misogynistic. He basically said I was lesser than my husband, my time wasn't important, and I wasn't owed a fair wage or a fair go. It's both again. Yeah, I think it's the ideology of this. I'm trying to look at what underpins this. I probably should have thought about this deeper before we actually started recording. You're not hard up for... Because it is. It's, it's a little... It's, it's both comparing, you know, it's, it's the traditional um, thinking of women have a role in workplaces up to a certain point. You know, we had um, rules of, in the public service that when a woman got married, she was expected. Yeah. She got dumped from the public service because she was expected to have children and then take care of those children. And that attitude. Yeah. W- uteruses yeah. first. Yeah. Yeah. You know, your God-given potential. Yeah. Yeah. This this boss is not like, you know, a Centrelink assessor who's like negotiating your parenting payments based on um, the income of the household. So he essentially reduced the significance of her work based on the fact that her partner had a higher paying job. So this is not only sexist and misogynist, it's also like capitalist and it's stolen labor. Yeah. It undervalues her position within the organization as being more a hobby than a profession. Yeah. Like it really devalues and... Yeah, is when she says, he basically said I was lesser than my husband. It wasn't just you. It was your position, your achievements, everything. Yeah. This was just, like, this d- devalues your, your contribution, if you will. Yeah. Um, in capitalism. Yeah. Like, it's saying that you're not producing capital. You're just here for shits and giggles. Like, they're still producing for capitalism. They're still producing a product or a oh. service. And then, of course, it's misogynistic for all of the very obvious reasons why it's misogynistic. Do we need to count the ways? No, um, because there's too many and we try and wrap this in up under an hour. Um, but I think uh, the initial thought of sexist pig was accurate, but not very nice to pigs. Yeah, going to have to agree with you there. Yeah, pigs are very smart. What is internalised misogyny? Well, Stephanie, I'm so glad you asked. Internalised misogyny is the psychological impact on women caused by living within a misogynistic environment. That whole thing, if you hear it enough, you believe it, and then they end up inflicting lateral violence on women and themselves and then then intersect that with racism we got white feminism great anyway (laughs) women end up judging themselves and other women by this misogynistic idealized view of women and it's just not going to end well 
because you will never perform that role well enough because women under patriarchy aren't here to be respected or treated well. Women within patriarchy are only there to serve patriarchy, essentially. This sounds a lot like conservative Christianity. <laughs> Look, I, I can't imagine why those two might cross over. Why would that be? A lot of people with internalised misogyny, like... I would treat it as a, as a psychological problem. Like when you hate yourself that much, like that's, that's an issue that can lead yeah. to some serious sort of, you know, maybe a bit of anxiety, some depression, some self-loathing, maybe some suicidal ideation and some self-harm stuff. Like it's just, that's not going to end well. No. So I have a theory and it's one of those theories that, um, Probably someone will either say someone else has already said that and I've, I've read it somewhere and just absorbed it and not realised or it's just wrong. But in my opinion, the difference between men enacting patriarchy and women and gender diverse people enacting patriarchy is that men are seeking to sustain or maintain power while women and gender diverse folk are seeking to attain power. Or gain power. I would argue. Yeah. yeah, I would say that it's not about seeking power. It's about maintaining your position within the power structures. Because if you honestly believe that women are inferior to men, then why would you try and seek something that's unattainable? Be happy with what you've got. Maintain that status quo. It maintains your position. You know, there's a, uh, you know, a, a, an observable phenomenon of the number of white women who voted for Donald Trump. Yeah. Who vote for the LNP. They're not looking to win power. They're looking to maintain their existing power. Yes. But also there's people who are trying to get to the top, you know, people who are trying to get to the, the top of the corporate ladder or something like that, who will stay silent on abuses. So they will get the next promotion. They're trying to get higher. And they think that by being silent or um, participating in misogynistic behaviour or sexist behaviour, that that's going to get them further along the job train. Yeah. I mean, I suppose it's both, but it's, it's about like... It's- I, I, I would say it's about your internal and your external um, interactions. And proximity to power. And proximities. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Anyway, Stephanie, when we talk uh, about patriarchal bargaining, what do we mean? We had a really long chat about this in the first the first episode that I, I was a guest for the podcast for, um, which I do highly recommend you go check out because... It's good. It's a good episode. What was it called? The Jaunty Stroll? Or Yeah, The Jaunty Stroll. Yeah, that was good. It's a good title. We had eight pages worth of notes and we got through one. <laughs> um, but basically... It was talking about the links between patriarchy and bioessentialism, and you can actually draw these links between bioessentialism and patriarchal bargaining in terms of their ideologies and their philosophies. Sheila Jeffries, was it? You spoke about a few. Sheila Jeffries was in there. Look, I get Sheila Jeffries, Janice Raymond, and Mary Daly um, confused quite a bit because... What? They're all shit. Two of them. Two of them are hardcore conservative Catholics who basically took a vow, an, a vow, a nun-like vow, um, and one of them called herself a feminist, but then suggested and then voted against everything that you would, as a feminist, vote for. So she opposed what, like Claire Chandler. Um, yeah, so she opposed uh, RU four eight six. She opposed abortion. She opposed. <laughs> Look, nothing nothing says women's rights like reducing a woman's access to healthcare. And if you go back to that first one where we talk about the um, 
the price and that negotiation of um of you know your natural role and then the variations thereof and so to keep the price high and why is patriarchal bargaining bad because it doesn't achieve a fucking thing and it sells people down the river and makes us have to work infinitely harder and to continue to have to fight for things that our parents generation and our grandparents generation and our great great grandparents generation and i could keep going have fought for consistently you know things like access to abortion is classic one bodily autonomy because we have to keep fighting for it yeah because there are so many people who put bodily autonomy as a bargaining chip oh look i've said it before and i'll say it again we have the right to vote no one to vote for we have the right to work at 75 percent less than men like you know on in a general got the right to access to abortion but only in certain circumstances within... A and only if you live in a geographical area yeah. that has an abortion clinic. Your closest hospital is a, is a religious or faith-based hospital, then you're fucked. Anyway, so, like, we have all of these rights and they're in inverted commas rights because they're nothing. They mean nothing. There's too many caveats. There's, there's too many ways that they can just be underwritten or just dismissed like the religious discrimination yeah. bill could have just reversed it all in an instant it yeah we don't have the rights that we think that we have we have the illusion of the rights that we think that we have and that's why we need more feminist representation in politics and dismantle the state but anyway sorry steph what we, we have to talk about politics again because we have to keep talking about, about politics. politics and shit politicians yeah and we can see wonderful examples of this from a, a, in our politics you know we had the whole respect at work um commission and the report for that commission and the the 55 recommendations if memory serves because the the number the total n number of recommendations isn't irrelevant isn't as relevant as the number of recommendations that were actually passed because mm, we kind of keep mentioning um our good friend friend of the pod julia bishop old mate red shoes yeah was it national security barbie oh fuck azo barbie <laughs> fuck me oh julie bishop you fucking hack yep what about you know, and you have so many people within the Liberal and the Labour Party who say they talk a big game about, you know, protecting women and girls. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, from what? Them, and themselves. We need to protect them from sex work. So you mean like men who are going to abuse them while they're doing their job? No. Just sex work. I'm just like, all right, fuck off, eat up. You know, that that whole thing of getting paid to do something that you're expected to give away for free when you're married. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Heaven forbid you profit from it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, that's the whole thing, isn't it? Like, you're not supposed to celebrate your body or your sexuality. Heaven forbid you profit off your body. They're like, no, that's what the men are supposed to do. Men are supposed to profit off your body, not you. So I'm suggesting that we invoice more. <laughs> invoice for cleaning. Invoice for for washing invoice for all of those things that you do that is expected this is the whole wages for for housework thing i'm mm, yeah. see i mm, i don't mm, mm, there's a, we need to move away from capitalist systems i think and i think yeah. that uh, it's it's more it's the the reason i bring it up is not so much of the this is the way that it must be of going at present we live in a capitalist society and to make people understand and realize exactly how much labor that is just foisted on people yeah true particularly true. women and gender diverse people 
who, you know, you need to put a dollar value on it because unfortunately the system that we have only values things that have a dollar value attached yeah, to it. Yeah, it's the language that they speak. It's what they understand. It's like why transformative justice won't work with gas and coal companies because all they care about is the bottom dollar. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, you, like I'm not saying that when I when I say invoice more, I'm not saying that that is, that's the way. Yeah. I'm going, no, but this is just, yeah. I will make a um, confession here if you like. I'm not, a, I'm not a real full-on, all-the-time socialist. I, abs- I ardently am not Marxist. No, I mean, <laughs> I, in, in general, I think that essentially that an adherence to a, you know, a wedding yourself to a particular um, political philosophy is, you know, there are certain circumstances that that's not a good thing. No, but also... And you can see that with libertarians. Yeah, but, but socialism for me is not far enough removed from capitalism to, to actually be effective. Yeah, and I think that essentially a more flexible approach, situationally based, the philosophy position, the, the everything is more moral in its context. You know, that there's not one particular moral philosophy that, that you know, that like, there's not one set of rules. There yeah. are rules yes, for different yeah. circumstances. And so, you know, like in my political philosophy, it's very much a case of, look, even, even under capitalism, NFTs are bad. <laughs> Look, I yes. Look, NFTs are fucked. Um, yeah. I think it's what Hegel says about women is really interesting. Is that women are capable of education? Thank you, but they are not made for activities which demand a universal faculty, such as the more advanced sciences, philosophy, and certain forms of artistic production. Women regulate their actions by not the demands of university, but by arbitrary inclinations and opinions. There are so many philosophers I'd just like to throw off a bridge. Um, I'm sorry, but philosophy is almost entirely opinions. (laughs) Yeah. What? Um, So Hegel can suck a fat one. Bye. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Sorry, I just wanted to chuck that in because I just think Hegel is so hilariously terrible. And I don't know why anyone is just like, oh, Hegel. I'm just like, fuck, fuck Hegel. Anyways, back to patriarchal bargaining and why it's bad. Um, <laughs> Fucking entire system is built on misogyny. It's just, oh my God, sorry. Yeah, patriarchal bargaining and why it's bad. Yeah, it's bad. It's just bad. No, just uh, don't do it. It's wrong. We have a bunch of Labour and Liberal politicians who will talk a big game of protecting women and girls, but are more interested in keeping their seats and their lobbying jobs afterwards. Yeah, correct. Before our random tangent and train derailment of um, of a sidetrack. Look, it's why they love us. It's why pe- that's yep. why our listeners come back to us. I think. I actually don't know. Um, you know, you have Amanda Stoker, <gasps> who talks a big game and she she throws her I was a lawyer helping people in domestic violence situations for, for many years and everything else and you're sitting there you really going, fixed yeah. that didn't you yeah going you voted to combine the federal and family courts and thereby removing the family court specialists and the family court services and the expertise and the from the family court like what a, what a warrior for survivors of family violence what a, yeah, what a hero. Oh, and of course, Amanda Stoker also said that there was no misogyny in, in Parliament. There was no not a problem of like, sexual harassment in the uh, halls of power. I mean, a year before we discovered that, was it 60% of staffers in total have experienced sexual harassment? Look, that number's probably low, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look, Amanda yeah. Stoker, what, are you, what can you say about Amanda Stoker? Other than... Um, at the risk of getting sued, and I don't particularly care at this point because I don't <gasps> nothing. Um, Claire Chandler 
talks a big game about protecting women and girls, and yet <laughs> vote against the most mild of investigation into Christian Porter's eligibility to sit as a <laughs> member of parliament. Oh, Jesus. I'm, I'm... Oh, no. We've got to keep the transes out of sport, because after all, that's the biggest threat to women and girls, not the potential rapist who is sitting in parliament. The alleged, in inverted commas, alleged rapist who gets promoted. Well, you know, that could apply to quite a few different politicians at this point. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm I'm not picking on the LNP because they're in power or because of my particular beliefs, but they're the ones that are getting reported on at the moment. You have Barnaby Joyce of allegations against him. You have Alan Tudge, who has just been cleared of any potential breach of parliamentary standards in the workplace, despite being in. A- you just assume that <sighs> there's standards in the parliamentary workplace. Christian Porter, I am missing a whole heap of them because my brain has just gone. Where do I stop naming names at this yeah. point? It, you know, it's just one of those things. It's just what. But of what course, you you, when, when all of this came up, I've forgotten who was supposed to be the prime minister for women, and I've forgotten who was supposed to be Amanda Stoker was apparently supposed to be the uh, um, minister for women's health, safety, something or other. I honestly don't remember because it's all bullshit titles, mm. especially when... So, when the Respect at Work recommendations were finally put to Parliament, there was an amendment about the overly th- high threshold um, in the in the legislation. The overly high threshold of what? Established context. I will read the, the speech. Okay. While we welcome the new offence of sex-based harassment, the bill sets the threshold for establishing sex-based harassment as unwelcome conduct that is seriously demeaning. That's a very high threshold. Many submitters, including the Commission themselves, said that that was an inappropriate, inappropriately high bar that would prevent women from coming forward. So the, the addition of the word seriously meant that you're, you know, increases that threshold of reporting of where action can be taken. And that amendment was voted down by Michaelia Cash, Holly Hughes... Jane Hume, Anne Rushton, Bridget McKenzie. I hate them so much. You know, actively making it harder to, you know, here's an amendment and here's a, here is a giant dog turd that we have added in there. Was it Linda Reynolds who called Brittany Higgins a lying cow? Yeah. And faced more consequences than Christian Porter did. And currently has faced more consequences than Brittany Higgins' alleged rapist. Oh, for fuck's sake. See, this is, this is why enacting within the patriarchy won't save you. While you're performing and dancing for them, everything's great. But the minute that they need someone as a scapegoat, it's all over. I'm bringing up these particular amendments because, well, the Respect at Work report is a really good report. And yeah. it should have been done a very long time ago. And there are 20 million other things that you can look up on They Vote For You, including things like abortion access and see who consistently voted. Anyway, um, so the Sex Discrimination Act and Fair Work Respect at Work Amendment Bill 2021, Unions, Complaint Mechanisms and Sex-Based Harassment. Amend the Human Rights Commission Act to allow unions and other representative groups to bring representative claims to court consistent with the existing provisions in the Human Rights Commission Act that allow unions and other representative groups to bring a representative complaint to the commission. So, in other words, having your union be able to do it as opposed to you seeking the Human Rights Commissioner to do it. Yeah. You know, the people who do this for every other protected characteristic. 
Yeah. Not every other, but, you know. Yeah, 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 no. Yeah. And, of course, who voted against it, apart from all of the LNP? And of course. Uh, you know, we haven't mentioned Pauline Hanson, but just assume that she voted down every good thing. Yeah. Every good thing. Um, Michaelia Cash, Jane Hume, Linda Reynolds, Anne Rushton, Amanda Stoker, and Bridget McKenzie. Because heaven forbid we make it easier to actually seek a remedy when it comes to sexual harassment in the workplace. No. Well, they don't want to lose their position of power or what they interpret as a position of power. And finally, the Sex Discrimination and Fair Work Respect at Work Amendment Bill 2021, Prohibition Against Sexual Harassment. These amendments implement an important, but of course, again ignored, recommendation of the Respect at Work report They create in the Fair Work Act the express prohibition of sexual harassment. For clarity, this is the act that governs the workplaces of of Australians. It strikes me as extremely strange, but I'm not surprised that the government has failed to accept or implement this very important recommendation. The act confers functions and powers on the Commission, including the power to conciliate sexual harassment complaints. And the usual suspects voted it down. Yeah. But it's okay, because we've got an e-safety app. That's a whole other episode with um our good with our good friend Eva. Oh yeah, interesting. I was also thinking that we could invite Dr. Bianca Philippon back on. Yeah, yeah. We, the cool. more the merrier for that one. Yeah, let's everyone's let's all get got in on issues. It. <laughs> it's the, I have issues yeah, episode. True. But again, we have these we have these people who will talk a very big game, and yet will vote. Against their own interests. Yeah. And and mind you, this is bad. This before this these acts of parliament were passed, the Sex Discrimination Act did not apply to, to employees in Parliament House. Yeah. Yep. Like imagine voting down the ability of unions or other representative groups to bring your claims to court. Yeah. Like that's a hundred percent voting against your own interests. Yeah. That blows my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Is power worth that much to you that essentially you sell your right? You, yeah. you sell your ability to take this to court, to seek remedy? Like, Yeah. And it, it comes back to like, so which one is this? Is this about maintaining power or attaining power? Or is it about you just literally think you've got equality because you work in parliament? Love to like just squ- scrape away at their brain and try and figure out what's going on in there. Well, with Stoker, Stoker is a conservative Christian, and so conservative Christians believe that women have a particular place under men. Yeah, um, I know, and- but, like, she's in Parliament, so she's above men, many men. So she's kind of contradicting well, herself Well, that's how the church works. It's in, in theory, you know, that she's supposed to be under the headship of her husband, and they're supposed to be under the headship of the church, but that's not how those re- relationships actually work in practice. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, by some interpretations of conservative of Christianity, she shouldn't even be there. Yeah. Like, shut up and go home. Like, aren't you supposed to be in the kitchen? I don't know. Like, go make a sandwich. Like, that's essentially what you're telling every other woman in community and in culture, that they don't have these rights, and yet you're in this high position of power. Like, why do you have the right that you're not bestowing onto other people? Happy International Women's Day, everybody. Yeah. Go have another cupcake. Anyways, as you can tell, I'm not a big fan of no Amanda No one should Stoker. be a fan of Amanda Stoker. She's creepy. Oh my God, she's creepy. Super turfy. Super swerfy. Actually, no, I'm going to rephrase that because then she is in no way a radical feminist. She's no. just a fucking bigot. Yeah. 
Exactly. The distinction matters. Okay, um, so we've spoken about the patriarchal bargain in some vague terms, and I went looking to find one of the worst examples. Very clear, but one of the worst examples I could find somebody who would demonstrate it in their own words. <laughs> what a treat! Allow me to introduce you to Kara Dansky of the organisation called Wolf, <laughs> which is funded by James Dobson of Focus of the Family, a conservative, no, uh, a pro-no-divorce, forced birther, anti-feminist, it's in service to your husband, anti-LGBTIQA plus group who once lamented about not being able to shoot trans people as they enter bathrooms. Oh, fuck me. And who also wrote a book, How to Physically and Emotionally Abuse Your Child in a Godly Way. Oh, Child-rearing shit. book. But that that's actually not the... Um, the title it's the unofficial book, title. <laughs> yeah, that, that is how it is known in popular culture because it's so bad. So it sounds about white feminist to me. She's also fronted for the Heritage Foundation. The Heritage Foundation, for those of you who kind of stay away from American politics, um, they have supported forced birther initiatives and politicians up to and including the death penalty for anyone who gets an abortion or helps or assists in providing an abortion. They are respond- one of the key architects for the war, and the justification for the war in Afghanistan. Cool. Like, literally, there is a document you can find about the need for a pipeline through Afghanistan, and that was the justification for war. Christ on a bike. <laughs> yeah, the Heritage Foundation are like this more, you know, in the background type, not quite, you know, Illuminati, um, but very similar in terms of the heritage, like Opus Dei type thing. I'm getting strong Lovecraft country vibes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the Heritage Foundation is also a very much an anti-women's group in general, and in order to try and how sell... could you say that? They sound wonderful. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. That's fine. Um, in order to try and have a feminist facade, what Heritage Foundation will do is they'll find turfs. And to speak at their events to give them, you know, like it's feminist facade. Oh, for fuck's um, sake. After the family law council thingamabob, I'll put the link in there in the show notes for it. It was a conference that Donald Trump, conservative Christians from Australia and from Hungary and from Europe and from the U- like all over the US got together at. And literally there was a session that was about separating the T from LGBT. Cool, cool, cool. And if you have spent any time watching what's been going on on the internet and in public and everything, this battle plan has been followed. Wonderful. Separating the tea from the alphabet soup. Wonderful. It's literally a quote from there. Anyway, so Kara is actually a cis woman and a lesbian. Here's what she had to say. I can only speak for myself as a child-free feminist separatist and a woman who chooses to love only other women. Abortion and birth control are not central issues on my feminism. So I'm not impressed when liberal or leftist woman haters who support universal access to abortion and birth control any more than I am impressed by right-wing misogynists who are stopping the trans cult from taking over the United States the way that it's taken over the UK and Canada. I can be grateful to both sides for their single-issue alignment with feminist goals and values, while recognising that a lot of feminists do not have any true allies on either side. All of these people hate women and lesbians. They are, at the end of the day, obstacles to female and lesbian liberation. They are the enemy. Fuck me in the face. Oh my god. There's so So much to unpack. I know, but it is clearly somebody who's made the patriarchal bargain of appearing with all of these right-wing conservative 
all of these people who should be dragged by their short and curlies to the Hague, put yeah. on trial for crimes against humanity, and actually make me sad that the prohibition on capital punishment no longer exists at international law level. <laughs> uh, just to clarify... I have a strong belief that if you commit the war crime of forced pregnancy, which is a war crime and a crime against humanity and a form of torture in international law, you have ruined somebody's life and used the power of the state to do so. All of this talk about how if you talk about violence, you're just becoming like the men. My question, so your question is a really important one, but I'm going to answer it with another question. How long must we wait for men and boys to stop murdering us, to stop beating us and to stop raping us? How many rapists must we kill? Not the state, because I disagree with the death penalty and I want to get rid of incarceration, and I'm with you on the police. So I want women themselves. I want, as a woman, I'm asking, how many rapists must we kill until men stop raping us? So Mona, them's fighting words. Spectator Australia is already saying Mona's um, promoting violence. Mm -hmm. That's what you're doing? Well, what I'm doing is I'm saying that violence has been owned by the state. That violence has been given by the state to its police. That violence has been allowed to continue unchecked mostly uh, by men, especially privileged men. So exactly how long do I have to wait to be safe? Okay. And when Let I say to Murray, be safe, Murray, there's a hierarchy you... of safety too. Hang Obviously on. people of colour, disabled people, etc. Murray, what do you think of that answer? How do you this, feel about this? I guess there's two things. One is... Um, there's a lot of um, smashing and destroying. Yes. But what's the alternative? So the alternative is a thing. world where I'm not raped and murdered. Yes. I think oh, who's that bloody quote like appealing to your oppressor? It's throughout history. No one has ever gotten their right or their freedom by appealing to the moral sense of their oppressor. I don't, it's... That was Mona Etawawe speaking on Q&A on that infamous episode of Q&A that has been banned, highlighting exactly what happens to women when they speak truth to power, when they step outside of their role as designated by the patriarchy. You get silenced. You get sidelined. You get accused of inciting violence when you're actually trying to maintain your own safety. But if you do that outside of the system in which the, the patriarchy deems appropriate for them, for their convenience, then it's a problem. It's just, oh my God, I just can't. It's just too much. It's, it's too big. It needs its own episode. It's like when we were talking about the... Um, what was that thing called? Um, and I sent it to you and I'm just like, oh my God, what is this? The turf. Like women's declaration. Yes! Women's rights declaration thing that literally tries to foist a legal term of motherhood onto nine-year-old rape victims. Yeah. Like this. Whoa. Jesus. Are you guys okay? Like what happened? Yeah, bringing back sex-based rights. Like, yeah, that never ends well. Yeah, it's like when I tried to read um, Andrea Dawkins' book. I can't remember which one. But, like, I was... Because I went through a phase where I was just like, I'm going to read the turf and the swerf literature because, like, know thy enemy, essentially. Um, except I was getting secondhand trauma from her, from the way that she wrote, from how she described almost like sex i'm just like are you okay like has anyone spoken to you about this have you got a therapist like oh my god like dawkins is a broken person I, mm. to be to be fair I, everyone on this planet is somewhat broken yes absolutely but not everyone on this planet sets out to limit people's human rights and access to health care 
and <laughs> live their lives the best way that they can on the basis of their trauma. Yeah, and and not all of us write books about it. No. Fuck me. Like, in this... Oh, look, there's a, just... just mm, there's a lot going on there. Yeah. And so, basically, Kara Dansky has helped launder the Heritage Foundation's image in the eyes of certain progressive feminists <laughs> in the United Kingdom. Oh. I used to self-identify as a progressive. Now I'm politically homeless. No, no, no. You're just you are just too embarrassed to say that you support the Heritage Foundation. <laughs> There's lots of words for your political alignment. Most of them start with cunt. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's uh, one place for your political alignment, and it's f- on the far right because you are <laughs> yes. demanding that the state sex test everyone who looks not a man. Mm. Let's not ignore the fact that in the sports debate, the state of Florida almost mandated sexual assault of every female in inverted commas athlete. Like you had to get a certificate. The law as it was originally written was that you had to be sex-tested. Like, we're talking six-year-old children had to be sex-tested and had physical examination in order to participate in sports. <laughs> you know, there's, there's another thing that they could do, is maybe hold abusers accountable and stop them from raping children. Yeah. In oh, but, but to be fair, you know, with what we have learned from Texas this week, for those of you who haven't been paying attention, I know this is an Australian podcast, but this has been in the back, like, I, having to deal with this um, with families and people who are really hurting over this. In Texas, there is a election coming up and the right-wing candidates are afraid of losing their seats to even more extremist Republicans and, um, and like, the QAnon-type Republicans. Jesus so they have instructed the Department of Child Services to investigate any trans child or the parents of any trans child as having committed child abuse. And we've learned some things about that um, process, including like not keeping records. This is in the same week that we have found that children who were rescued from sex trafficking were sex trafficked in the home that they were sent to, contracted with the state of oh. Texas, and was... Um, and was uh, run by evangelical Christians that uh, have connections to the Repu- the Texas Republican Party. Look, it's all very cool and normal. And yeah, so this is what I guess fem washing. Fem washing. That sounds like a, make- that sounds like one of those like vagisil sort of like <laughs> cleansing products for your hoodanani. Oh, like- <laughs> oh, what was her name with the candles? Oh, Gwyneth Paltrow. Yes. Paltrow washing conservatism? (laughs) Gwyneth washing. Gwyneth washing. Yes. Oh, my God. So, Stephanie, I think it is now time for the girl boss portion of the evening. Girl boss portion? The girl boss portion. Uh So, Sophia Amorous? 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 I actually don't know how to say this. (laughs) I feel like I'm supposed to. She's a girl boss after all. (laughs) Google. <laughs> Google. How do I say this? Oh, Amorous. Amorous. <laughs> no, I have a suspicion that is not how you say it, pronounce her name. Anyway, so Sophia Amorous coined the phrase girl boss in her autobiography about the rags to riches story of her setting up Nasty Girl. This is uh, her online fast fashion business. Yay. Yeah, I know, right? So this term began as something empowering, but very quickly turned sour as Nasty Girl filed for bankruptcy and claims of toxic working environment surfaced. Really? 
gosh. I know. <gasps> yeah, yeah. Worth mentioning, toxic work environment's not really noteworthy, but when it's from an organisation that purports feminist ideals and the empowerment of women... Obviously, this is this is quite significant. As if fast a- fashion isn't filled with trafficking victims. Jesus. Girl bossing your way up the bodies of marginalised women in poor parts of the world. Such feminism, such wow. <laughs> so, what is a girl boss? If we turn to Urban Dictionary for this definition, which you absolutely never should. Ever. Never. However, if you were... <laughs> And we, and we do. There are a myriad of entries from the overtly misogynist to the bizarre to the actually quite reasonable. Stephanie, would you like to take us through? Oh, where to begin? There's like 20 million pages of definitions on this. I don't know. Oh, look. Okay, 16 pages, let's be honest. Oh, my goodness. Girlboss. Verb. To make something or something appear as a feminist idol or inspiration for profit, despite the numerous flaws of the person. Example, have you seen the new Cruella de Vil trailer? Yeah, they totally girl-bossed her as if she's a villain because she's a girl, not because she tried to make a coat out of puppies. <laughs> Which, that think... one works. <laughs> look, yeah. I just, yeah, look, a bizarre comes in this form, I guess. Adjective, a term commonly used by semi-finalists. Um, cadet say girls to assert false dominance upon others. I just like... What is this? Where is this from? <laughs> Look, it's got 13 town votes. I'm down for that. This one's girl boss racist. Did you know she supported mass incarceration of black Americans? She's such a girl boss. Uh, checks out. Look, cunt. Girl boss? I don't think this really pertains. I'm sure girl bosses do think this, but this is not what makes people a girl boss. <laughs> it's, it's just weird. I... A person who co-ops popular feminist girl power rhetoric as a way to virtue signal to other neoliberals and shield themselves from criticism. J.K. Rowling's girl boss McFeminism is real obvious. You realise she only supports girls who aren't like the other girls. Yes, I... Yep, I'm on board with this. Yep. Essentially, a girl boss is a neoliberal wet dream. It's a woman who performs not only within patriarchy, but within capitalism, whose appearance is pleasing to the male gaze, but also excels at work and delivers results. Which, to be fair, means that you're probably working two to three times harder than everyone else around you, or you're stepping on more people to do it. Probably both. And also not complaining about it, not making a fuss. Just performing within your gender while also making money for the boss. They may be a CEO. There are actually CEOs who are women. And at their 2019 financial year, there were 1,019 of them. I mean, there were also like 4,943 men, but you know, 1,019 women, like smashing some glass ceilings and getting Pauline Hanson her stubby holders delivered. Like what a time to be alive. What an accomplishment. Girl boss is what happens when feminism or any political movement becomes a catch-all for the underlying politics which is sidelined. And, and the criticism of women who position themselves as feminists then work within capitalist and patriarchy for their own benefit to the detriment of other women, be it yeah. unsafe or shitty working conditions, stolen labour, sexist language, bullying, racism, ignoring or enabling sexual violence, ableism, all of these things. And then criticism of these women is absolutely warranted, but ensure that your annoyances with the systems they are perpetuating and not the performance of their gender incorrectly. Yeah. In other words, criticising... A woman for doing shitty things is not misogyny. Doing it because she is a woman is. Correct. And this is a problem that seems to be uh, at the forefront at the moment. I'm looking at Nicole Flint. (laughs) 
Looking at you, Nicole. <laughs> Looking at you, Michaela Cash. Actually, no, I can't. You're behind a whiteboard. <laughs> Look, there is genuine criticism of white women that is then being weaponized usually by by men, by white men. And what it does is it devalues women's contributions, the actions of women, and it judges them from a harsher light next to men. That because they are women, their actions must be more pure and more righteous. Anytime a woman or a gender diverse person, an indigenous person, an activist, acts in a way which is not 100% leftist approved TM, they're all of a sudden a hypocrite. You're selling out, you're inaccessible, you're a million thousand ways of holding women to a higher standard than men. Ah, the discourse. Oh, fuck me. Fucking hell. It's just, (laughs) it drives me spare. And I mean, you and I have talked on a number of occasions about conversations where people have just been like, no, feminism isn't the answer because Pankhurst was a blah, 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 or someone did, and I'm just like, fuck me. Like, fuck off. Just fuck off. And their answer to this is always Marx. I'm yeah. like, stop fucking licking Marx's boots. He didn't even know women were existed until he was about to die. What flavoured of what flavour are Marx's boots? Oh, they must be cherry. I don't know. I don't know. But no, you're a hundred percent right. Like it's this it's this thing. Because people work to their idea of a theory. And look, I get it. There's a lot of different theories out there and you can read theory in a particular way. But maybe we should be arguing on principles and not theory. (laughs) Your starting point should be these principles of does this advance the cause of bodily autonomy? Does this advance the cause of self-determination? Like, maybe start there. Mm. Just a thought. I don't know. Marx is fine. I like his theories. I like what he has to say. He has really important points and he is a really important theorist. Not the answer. Not the answer is my only... Anyway, but I am a feminist economist, not a cunt. So anyway. So look, getting back to this. So like my first fundraiser, this this is my first fundraiser that I ever held independently of anyone or anything. This was for Feminist United. Cheese and wine tasting and a speaking panel on empowering women and gender diverse people. And if I had have done this now, everyone would have just like barked girl boss at me. And they probably did back then. I don't know. Um... Was this pre-Twitter? This is pre- Oh, look, I only got on Twitter during, um, what's the thing called? The pandemic. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I was on, I've been on Twitter since like, you know, 2007 or something. Maybe 2011. I can't remember. But like, never really the used it. The quiet times. The, the, yeah, I don't know. I was, yeah, very different back then. I definitely was. Yeah. Oh, look. <laughs> 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 yeah. 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 Look, this event was cute and it was fun and it was like wine and cheese is a bit naff, but it was good. I really like cheese. We didn't raise heaps of money. We didn't have Auslan. And I actually didn't think that it had lift access, but it actually did. But there was this one person, they were trying to cancel me because they were lactose intolerant. (laughs) I shouldn't laugh. Steph. I shouldn't laugh. I am. I'm half Dutch, so, you know, like, cheese is in our veins. I'm not Dutch and cheese is in my veins, but, like, also, <laughs> like, have some bread, dude. Like, have something else. Yeah, and you, like, you're those apricot delights little squares that are always present in <laughs> wine cheese nights. Go hog them. They're amazing. 
They give you heart burns. Say, I'd love to come. I'm lactose and um lactose intolerant. We'll get your fruit plate. Like, don't be a cunt. Oh my god. What it is is actually written on the tin. It's on the bag. But do you do you genuinely know how underfunded feminist grassroots actions are? And do you know how expensive Auslan is? Auslan, like, cancel me for Auslan. I didn't have Auslan. I'm trying to like empower people into leadership, and I don't have like that level of accessibility. Like, that's what you should have cancelled me for. Hmm. But there's also been times where I've done a fundraiser, we've raised like 1500 and had, and spent $1,000 on Auslan. But if your point of the night is to raise money for an action and that's all you can raise, like I, all I'm saying is I can understand why people don't have Auslan. It's really expensive. So earlier we mentioned Christine. Is it Christina or Christine? I always thought it was Christine Holgate. Anyway, we mentioned Christine slash Christina Holgate before by way of making sure that Pauline Hanson gets her stubby hoggers. And I have a question for you, Stephanie. Yeah? Is Christina Holgate a feminist? I'll honestly say this. I don't know. I doubt it, though. Is Pauline Hanson a feminist? Definitely not. Is Margaret Thatcher a feminist? No, she's a gender-neutral toilet now. <laughs> Look, to all three, absolutely bloody not. No, absolutely not. And just because women are in positions of power doesn't automatically mean that they have won the patriarchy and now feminist icons because quite often the way that they've climbed to that position of power is off the backs of women gender diverse migrant women disabled women etc etc and so forth they they were performing their gender like good little girls they were being the women patriarchs could point at and tell feminists who are demanding rights that they actually had equality and that they had equity because there are women in parliament there are women ceos they should be shut up and be happy and just get on with it i mean come on steph there's even a, a bathroom in Parliament now. Just just yeah. move on. No, Shut up. Gets brought up by turfs all the time. And it's like, you know, do you realise that that bathroom was installed in like the 70s and the, the, the first woman who was a member of Parliament just used the men's? <laughs> or she had to go elsewhere. Women just need to shut up and go make babies like the good little baby makers that they are. Also, not my opinion, having a uterus does not make you a woman. Not all women have penises and that's okay. <laughs> Hanson and Thatcher are absolutely not girl bosses. First of all, because they never proclaimed to be feminist. Support the coal strikers. <laughs> Support the miners. <laughs> I don't even think they like women. Oh no. Which is awkward. Fuck no. The austerity. <laughs> which is a bit awkward. I will put a little bit of cross promotion to another podcast called Gold Angry Scotland. <laughs> they have recently done an entire episode of Margaret Thatcher. Nice. All right. I'm going to have to listen to that. Look, three Scottish people talking about Margaret Thatcher. It's beautiful. I'm looking forward to listening. Yep. It's going to be great. So Hanson Thatcher, not girl bosses, not feminists, don't even pretend to be. Holgate is an issue. Holgate, a wildly successful CEO, forced to stand down by the PM for giving execs Cartier watches. Again, the hypocrisy of Morrison to be upset with that in comparison to like the Leppington Triangle and a zillion other fucking billion dollar scandals is not only wildly misogynistic, but it's, he's also once again selling women down the river exactly like he did with Linda Reynolds for calling Brittany Higgins a lying cow and I will point this out and I will point it out until the day I die Linda Reynolds has faced more consequences than Christian Porter Linda Reynolds has faced more consequences than Brittany Higgins alleged rapist yeah exactly Holgate has spoken openly about her experience of being bullied and humiliated out of her job and I don't doubt it which to be fair that that happened in on the floor of parliament that's in fucking Hansard yeah look 
good and I don't doubt it. But saying she was brave to do so, I entirely disagree with. It's honestly the least controversial thing for Holgate to do at this point in time, at this point in political history. To speak about gender discrimination and to speak openly about harassment in the workplace as a woman, this is the time to do it. It's not like she did it in the middle of the 80s. Scott Morrison was not Christine Holgate's boss. Yeah, he was not in a position where he could demand that she stood down. The thing that Christina Holgate didn't and hasn't mentioned and will probably never mention is how she participates in the same culture in her workplace. How she participates in a culture, this corporate culture that profits off stolen labour, that purposely underpays staff to ensure maximum profit. In Holgate's case, share prices rose from 50 something dollars to 300 and something dollars during their initial year at Toll. And if that didn't happen off the back of stolen labour, exploitation, then I don't, that's... It's a thing for posties. It's a thing for fucking capitalism. It's how capitalism thrives. She went from Australia Post to Toll. <laughs> There's not much difference. You have to put your boot heel on the neck of your drivers in order to get the uh, delivery outcomes. Bloody hell. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I uh, used to work with somebody who was a postie. Yeah. Before he was an ARIA award winner. <laughs> Just kidding. He actually did win an ARIA, but that's another story. Anyway, he, <laughs> he told me that um, Australia Post started off as a great place to work and progressively got worse to the point where there were writers who would actually collapse yeah. from exhaustion and heat exhaustion and be riding in degrees of 40 plus degree temperature <laughs> on a motorbike, yeah. which is generating heat. And there were massive safety issues. And yet they still had to meet their... Deliveries per minute. I used to get pissed off but when you get a delivery and they didn't actually come up, they just like put a slip in your letterbox and just drove off, just said you went home. That's what's causing this. And it's not the postie's fault, he's not being lazy, he's being like worked to the bone. <laughs> love love smashing a bit of like labour exploitation in the middle of our feminist discourse. <laughs> They're not different. They're that the same. That is feminist discourse. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, Christina Holgate is now standing shoulder to shoulder with Grace Tame, Brittany Higgins, Lucy Turnbull, Julia Banks. My fuck. And uh, there are also actually incredible women like Larissa Brent, Madison de Rosiaro, Chanel Contos, Yasmin Poole, Wendy McCarthy, and Georgie Dent, which is you know, whatever, and Michelle O'Neill, who said that Trades Hall couldn't possibly make a statement or recommendation that Setka should stand down because it would be undemocratic. You know, what is super democratic, Michelle? A justice system that prioritises men's reputations over victims, survivors and safety. Boom. Um, I personally can't see how demanding a union secretary stand down while he is being investigated for the second time of violence, abuse. I don't understand how this is undemocratic, but then I'm not a crumb maiden. Anyway, significant portion of these women are liberal women which in a way is good this is good change and I mean they are also touching on talking points feminist women and indigenous activists have been talking about for low-key decades which is good and it's great more for over 100 years but um during the liberal party invented feminism oh jesus christ I just, I feel like they're not really acknowledging or discussing how the Liberal Party is deeply misogynistic and how they have continually cut funding to access these services, especially Julia Banks. I mean, she's literally complicit in this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. 
Sorry, I shouldn't laugh. It's just, it's this thing it's when we did, it with, um, <laughs> yeah. we did it with Stoker. We did it with Stoker. We did it with Mackenzie Cash. And we've done it with Claire Chandler. And we've done it with Linda Reynolds. And we've done it with, you know, and I just have to keep keeping names. And that's this parliament only. Yeah. Like, we're not even digging into the past. This is just in the last year. So, growth and recognising the problems with the system is important. Changing your mind when new information arises is good, actually, and very normal and consistent with, as the amazing James Acaster says, how every decision is made. But you need to recognise your complicitness in the system, Julia. You need to recognise and acknowledge your place in this fucked upness. And you don't get to ride on the coattails of the feminist movement and just move from one proximity power to another source of power. No one, and I, and I mean, this needs to be said because it's probably a little bit vague, no one deserves to be raped. Not because of their politics, not because of their choices, not because of how they voted. No one deserves to be raped. It is always the no. responsibility of men to not rape. Women shouldn't make it easier for them by refusing to stand up and hold abusers accountable. Women shouldn't make it easier for them by passing laws, by voting against respect to work and positive duty, by voting against an independent inquiry into Christian Porter, by dismantling the specialist family court. Fuck's sake. Oh, Oh, it makes me so mad. It makes me so mad. And then they come out and they talk at these fuck on the lawn of Parliament House like they're these staunch advocates. It's always because something happened to them. Not because something happened that they realised something needed to change. Not because Indigenous activists or, or victim survivors have been talking about this for decades, years, hundreds of years, but because something happened to them that made them realise. And it yeah. frustrates the shit out of me. And this is what... Capitalism is about individualism and you just don't believe anyone until it happens to you and that is fuck. You know, like I didn't see Julia Banks talking about Melody Bruno about her murder and about mm. that injustice. Okay, I'm not a carceral feminist but we currently live in a system and it sends a message to the entire trans community that they're not actually worthy of anything. When a, when a trans woman is murdered and the murderer gets 18 months in prison. That's fucked. Yeah. I didn't see Julia Banks um, talk about that injustice. I didn't see any of the LNP women talk about that injustice. Mm. No, absolutely. Absolutely. It's... It has to happen to them in order for them to care. Yeah. And people like them, like white conservatives, because it's so easy to other and dismiss other communities and just think that'll never happen to me because they were doing their gender wrong. They shouldn't have been in that position. They shouldn't have been doing sex work. They shouldn't have been doing that. It's so easy for them not to care because they don't feel affected by it. But misogyny actually does affect everyone. It's the same system. Look, I don't know. I, I suppose to summarise my issues with when women are called girl bosses, it's not so much with the word itself, but with who uses it and what's their intent. Yeah. Men will take it upon themselves to decide what type of woman is deserving of praise, whether it's men who want women to perform within the patriarchy or it's men who want you to enact some kind of fucking Rosen Luxemburg fantasy that they have. And the men who need to hear this probably don't listen to this podcast or they won't regularly or or they are listening to the podcast because they think it's going to be an hour of us shitting on women which it is not it is absolutely not and then on top of all of that girl boss is so fucking infantilizing nobody has ever boy bossed jerry harvey no well not yet take it upon myself it's just another way to cut successful women down or undermine women's confidence 
I've seen it when organizing events. Women don't want the event to appear too perfect or too professional because they're worried that they'll be labeled as a girl boss. And look, before we had Madonna, we had the whore, and now we've got girl boss. It's all about labels. It's all about putting us into yep. boxes. And um, and with that, I'm fucking exhausted. <laughs> it's too. It's too much. It's too much. There's too much to contend with. We've got our own inner dialogue. Am I doing this right? We've got misogyny over here. We've got internalized misogyny over there. We've got actual patriarchal oppression. Then we've got capitalism. Then we've got colonialism, white supremacy. It's just, just be fair. Just stop judging us unfairly and expecting us to act in a way that is somehow pure and perfect. It's still gender roles you are expecting us to to enact in a way that is within a patriarchal expectation of being good and kind and nice and caring we don't have to be any of those things we don't need to be i'm not your mum i'm not going to explain things to you nicely i refuse to i've done it in the past i've been lovely i'm you know careful i've been funny about it i've tried all of these different strategies none of them work because you don't care because you're misogynists so we, we should stop trying just tell it how it is. Be direct. Be clear. Be concise. Know your politics. Know why you're doing it, and just fucking do it. There's no other way. And undo your racism, <laughs> especially white people, white women. Look at your racism. I'm not just talking about black people. I'm talking about Asian folk. I'm talking about um, African people. South Asian. South Asian. Southeast Asian. No, but but Asia is a very large geographical region, and the distinction between Europe and Asia as a continent is very colonial and yeah. weird. Quite weird. It's arbitrary. It is. And especially when you start getting to sort of like um, Istanbul and those kind of sort of areas, it gets a bit weird. And Spain's very weird as well when it comes to... Well, um, I mean, technically, the only reason that um, Africa's not a part of that larger landmass is because of the Suez Canal. Oh, of course. Otherwise it would be. Yeah. It's a, it's a single continent. Oh my God, I never thought of that. All right, that's going to be our next podcast on the Suez Canal. <laughs> Lear and Steph explore <laughs> Don't. I fucking love maps. Oh, my God. Makata projection and all of the critiques about the Makata projection. Oh, my God. I love it. Oh, my God. Actually, could we, though? All right. Yes. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we are now changing from a feminist political podcast <laughs> to geography <laughs> and cartography. The, the politics of maps. <laughs> Look, I don't hate it, honestly. Look, to be to be fair, the map not being the territory isn't isn't important. No. Borders are yeah. fucked. There are, like yeah. I said, they're arbitrary. Yeah, and also the map not being the territory means that, you know, like we use that in other areas of activism where you just can't know everything and you have to rely on people's lived experiences. Yeah, imagine, you know. So we had to, we were talking about maps and the arbitrariness of Asia and Europe, but the people who live there, that's not an arbitrary no. decision. No. That's a brutally cold, imperialistic one. Correct. <laughs> Done with jackboots. Fuck, this is going to be such a good podcast anyway. Um, I think that we should probably end it there. We should. Yeah, so bye. Good to chat. Good chat. I'm so fucking awkward. <laughs> so please like, subscribe, all of those things. Leave a review. Ask, tell us your favourite map thing. I'm so into this. And cat pictures. Send us cat pictures. Send Steph cat pictures. I'll be like, that's very cute, but I won't care. And sorry. But anyway, bye. Bye, bye, bye. Bye.